0: Hey sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast.
1: We're Seattle fans, talking Seattle sports.
0: We're your hosts, I'm Connor.
1: I'm Sam. And I'm Justin. You ready to get started?
2: Let's send it!
0: Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode 45. We're almost at 50 episodes, boys. Almost at 50. We're going to have to do something special for the 50th episode, I think.
2: We will. We will.
0: Yeah, we'll have to think about. It. We Might have to do a live episode or something like that. Well, we're back, and um,
2: same shit. We won.
0: We won. A, we won a game. Rogue game. Drink, we're drinking. We got yeah. Won a road game. Uh, first road win of the Jimmy Lake era. Uh, celebrating with drinks tonight. Obviously, um, super celebratory mood between the three of us. I think. Um, I, I think that awkward silence at the very beginning was just a fluke and you know we're just we're super high on this team right now so Justin how are you doing I know you're in Atlanta over the weekend how is Atlanta um, what are you celebrating the Huskies victorious effort over Arizona with tonight uh, in your in your glass or cup or bottle
1: Atlanta was good I you know it took a couple days to sweat out the barbecue from my pores like I was telling you guys before the show I got mm-hmm. to see some playoff baseball which is not something I've ever seen or probably will ever see again
2: whoa that's whoa, dope whoa, dude whoa.
1: well yeah come on
2: <laughs> next year
1: man go NERs in person a world series uh game clinch actually sorry NLCS game clinching win uh, for the Braves, so I probably won't see that again. How about that? NLCS game clinching win to go to the World Series
0: because the Mariners... Unless the, the Mariners Patriots. move to the NL, then yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. Uh, we get
2: so the was, point. The Mariners suck. It was we good.
1: It. <laughs> uh, t- I am celebrating the victorious Husky hard-fought um, gritty win with a Longboard Island logger um, to celebrate excellent and what about you
2: well i'm celebrating this husky victory with a very special glass of bourbon this past weekend i was at my brother and sister-in-law's wedding in austin texas and i gotta take a little souvenir from the bar on my way out i've got some rowan's creek rowan's creek kentucky bourbon and uh tastes extra good after that you know amazing game that the huskies, played. <laughs> the huskies played. i can't even keep a straight face we suck and uh, we're gonna get into this one but first connor what are you sipping on
0: yeah incredible comeback incredible comeback by by this resilient team and you know it's all it's all due to the belief that jimmy jimmy lake instills in these players and you know It's kind of like a Pete Carroll mantra. Can you win a game in the first quarter?
2: Can you win a game in
0: the second quarter? No. Can you win a game in the third quarter? No. Can you win a game in the fourth quarter?
2: Hell yeah! That's
0: pretty much what happened.
2: And that's what we did.
0: Yeah. Oh! (laughs) Against, Against the worst FBS team in the country. Um. Before we get into it, yeah, I am sipping on scotch tonight. Um, usually when I'm sipping on scotch, it's usually not good. <laughs> and yes, we won, but it was not good. Um, let's start with some injury updates before we really get into the game, too, uh, to continue the great news
2: Yeah, fantastic.
0: <laughs> of today. Uh, we have two players that are out for the season. Running back R- Richard Newton uh, tore his ACL. I think that was in the UCLA game. Yeah. But it was revealed on Monday that he is going to be out for the season. Also, linebacker Eddie Ulufusio is going to be out for the season. Uh, we don't—it's a shoulder surgery or something like that. I
2: think he had. Yeah, they just said arm.
0: Yeah, so he had an arm injury. I—that one also apparently I think happened in the UCLA game. But I think I think we all think that he maybe was battling through something pretty much all season long yeah and maybe it just got to be I don't know if he like tweaked it so much that he had to actually end up getting surgery or if they just kind of shut him down for the year but um Eddie hasn't had the impact this year that we that we would have expected him to have so I mean with that with him ending his season like this and having the season that he had I would think that he's probably back next year wouldn't you
2: yeah, I think so, for sure.
0: So if you're looking for a silver lining in that injury, we probably get our supposedly stud linebacker back in 2022 for, you know, the the college football playoff run that we're going to make in 2022. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Lake and John Donovan.
2: Yep, for sure.
0: Guaranteed. <laughs> Justin is shaking his head. I, just, I okay. can't. I can't. I need you guys
1: to keep going as I gather my
0: thoughts. Okay. Should we start to become more realistic now, or should we still kind of fluff this up? Like, no,
2: I've done enough fluffing. I can't do it anymore.
0: (laughs) Did we do it? What was that (laughs) bullshit that we watched on Friday night, man? That have you ever felt worse after a win? No, no way,
2: no chance.
0: That's awful. Like the first half, we're down thirteen to zero. Against the worst FBS team in the nation, like they have lost now 19 in a row with this last loss against the Huskies. 19 straight, going back to 2019, they have not won a fucking game.
2: Yeah, that's pretty bad.
0: And we squeaked out of Tucson with a victory, (laughs) like squeaked out. Yeah. What the hell happened, dude? Like i mean where
1: to start (laughs) yeah where do you Uh, want to start
2: offense let's start with the first half the
1: offense let's start with the offense in the first half can i can i just let's i feel like this exercise will be cathartic for me can i just read you our drives from the first half?
2: oh yeah go for it all right we open we get
1: we get the ball first seven plays 19 yards punt next drive six plays 18 yards punt Three plays, two yards, punt. Three plays, eight yards, punt. Six plays, 22 yards, punt. Six plays, 11 yards, punt. Notice I did not say anything above. I believe 22 yards was our longest drive, less than 100 yards on the half. Absolute abomination for having six drives and playing the worst FBS team, as Connor said, uh, in the land. It's inexcusable. It's inexcusable. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but Sam, like what the hell?
2: Yeah. Well, I think it starts and ends with the captain of your, you know, it's your coach on the sideline and your coach on the field are, I mean, Jimmy Lake, John Donovan did not have an offensive plan.
1: Run up the middle was the plan.
2: Yeah. Well, it didn't, didn't work again it's like can't learn shit Shocking. it doesn't it doesn't learn and then fucking Dylan and morris played like he was blind in the first half
0: mm. well to be fair he got his nose rung <laughs> he might have been blind <laughs> yeah he might have that would
2: be i mean i hope he was it would be a good excuse for the shit show we saw from him i mean
0: and what what happened after his bell got rung sam
2: Oh, we're just going to go right into it okay, like that. Here we go. <laughs> so he gets smacked in the face. His helmet like rides up on his, uh, his. I think his chin strap probably came flying up his face and ripped his no- nostril off, something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: And so then your backup, Sam Heward comes into the game and we proceed to run the ball. Mm. How much, If you have the play-by-play in front of you, we ran the ball probably, what, Six or seven, six or seven snaps in a row.
1: I think it was five on the drive that he came in on. Um, the full drive. Yeah, I think yeah. he had seven snaps. Right. Seven and snaps, then, but he had that full five drive. Of them were yeah.
2: Yeah. So like your backup quarterback comes in, everybody's like, Oh shit, is this the moment that like Sam Heward's gonna take over? Oh no, we're just gonna run the ball, punt it away. Sam Heward gets to throw the ball once on an obvious passing down, like third and long. Yeah. And uh never see him again.
1: Question yeah. for the mm-hmm. two of you. Connor, I'll start with you. Okay. If you and Jimmy Lake said this after the game that he was prepared to play Sam Heward on
0: a drive this game, Jesus, man, you're really getting into it right now. Okay. Yeah, we're going, like, we're yeah. going, we're diving in. Head first. We're just going full speed ahead. So you're Jimmy like after... more
1: by the more by the word. Okay. Go yeah, ahead. Good. So Jimmy Lake after the game said he was, they as the staff were prepared to give Sam Heward at least a drive in this game. It is. It came a little sooner than they thought because of Dylan Morris's injury, but they were going to give him a drive. If you're prepared to give a backup quarterback a drive, doesn't it mean the quarterback competition is not, what did he say? Not even close or whatever the hell he said last week. Um, That means it's a little closer than he's letting on, right?
2: Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, he's been lying up his ass. I mean, that like behind the scenes, everything that we've heard is Jimmy's fucking freaking out and like changing his mind on everything every day, every minute of every day as far as who should be the quarterback, what kind of offense they should run, what they should do on defense, personnel changes, like all over the place. He is all over the place, which is not a good situation either. <laughs> no, like that's not what you want your head coach doing. You don't want him freaking out and making gut instinct changes minute by minute. Um, so yeah, first off, that's not good to your point, Justin. Yeah, there's, there's I mean if anyone who has any any shred of credibility when it comes to the f- football like and has watched even just like five games of football in their entire life should realize that Dylan Morris is not a good quarterback.
2: I mean he's the worst in the Pac-12.
0: Correct.
1: That's a not t- At times he looked worse than the third string quarterback from Arizona. Yes. At
0: times. Correct. Yeah, Mainly which we haven't staff. even gotten yeah. to. Yeah, we didn't even mention that part off the off the bat. Not only the worst, not only the worst FBS school did we barely squeak out a win, but they had their third string quarterback in. So, great. Yeah, but back to my point, like there is no way that you can believe that Dylan Morris is a good quarterback from what you've seen on tape this year. And building off that, like why, why wouldn't you give the backup and opportunity, especially with the way that the first half was going, like th- they were not doing anything on offense. And Dylan Morris was a huge piece of that. Like he was not hitting throws. He was so inaccurate. He was playing it like the worst that we've seen him this year. Yeah. And taking awful sacks too, like not getting Mm -hmm. rid of the ball. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was that, that really limited our ability to sustain any kind of momentum on offense were the sacks that he was taking. So then you put Sam Huard in for one, one series because of an injury. And then he doesn't see the ball for the rest of the, the rest of the game. And the thing that pisses me off the most about this whole situation, Justin, is that you just spent one game of this guy's red shirt on one series.
2: Where he handed the ball what's,
0: off. What's the point? What is the point? That's what's the point question. of putting him in? If, yeah. if you were going to do that, then just put the other quarterback in. Whatever his name is. I can't even remember his name. Patrick O'Brien. O'Brien. Yeah. Patrick O'Brien. Put him in. If, if that's what you're going to do with Sam Heward on his, on his drive his one drive in this game, put Patrick O'Brien in. He can do that. He can hand the ball off. Like, if you, if you are truly dedicated to trying everything you can to fix this offense, you put Sam Heward in, and his era starts now. That's my yeah.
2: rant. I mean, we've all been saying it. I think what you saw in that situation. And given what Jimmy Lake said after the game, what, you know, Justin mentioned, he said the plan all along was to give Sam Heward a drive or two. It's really just a window into the ineptitude and how over his head, Jimmy Lake is in this role and in this job right now. And I get that, you know, more or less a first year head coach, they're going to make mistakes, but they don't make mistakes like this. There's no way that you can say that and say, yeah, we had a plan to get Sam Heward in the game. And when that time happens, they were obviously caught off guard because it didn't go the way that they expected. It wasn't on their watch. It wasn't on their time. It wasn't at the point of the game that they planned to put Sam Heward in. And so, like, they had to have scrapped the plan. Like, there's no way that you develop a plan to give a backup quarterback time in a game and that plan is for him to just hand the fucking ball off. Yep. Like, what is the... You're not getting any sort of learning experience for Sam Heward from what he had. And so I think, you know, to what you were alluding to, Connor, there are people very tied into the program that were alluding to a quarterback change happening this week, which in and of itself is... Beyond dumb, in my opinion, when you had two weeks to get somebody prepared off the bye week, like, why would you wait yep. for the following game on a short week on a Friday night game to then make a quarterback change? And so there was a lot of smoke around a quarterback change being happened. Then, you know, one particular insider that we follow pretty closely had mentioned, you know, Jimmy Lake was going back and forth and changes his mind constantly. And I think you, you just see the panic play out in this situation. He is panicked, and he doesn't know what the right thing to do is. He's indecisive. He didn't fire John Donovan when he should have on the bye week. He didn't make a quarterback change when he should have on the bye week. And he's paralyzed in a total panic mode. And that's what you see play through here. And so it's frustrating, but it's just another another checkbox being checked, displaying Jimmy Lake's ineptitude this season there's no excuse for how that went down. And then to go into the post-game press conference and say, that makes you look even dumber. Like he didn't have to say that he could have easily no. had the cop out and roll off of what he said last week. Yeah, We're nowhere near a quarterback change. Obviously Dylan Morris nope. got injured. So we threw in our next best guy. It was Sam Heward this week. Boom. End of story. But instead he like opens up this window just to turn himself into a punching bag. And I'm gladly putting on the gloves on this one.
0: And he opened it up even he opened that window up even more by going on to say that that will continue to be the case that he w- he is going to continue to get drives here and there the rest of the season. Which just oh. doesn't make sense. And like so you're just going to burn the guy's red shirt just to get him a few drives and like a few games. Let's clear this up for our listeners. They have four games four, true freshmen have four games that they can play in appear in like playing at all even one play that that counts as a game you get four games before you burn your red shirt okay all indications from like the heward camp is that at least at the beginning of the season they wanted Sam to preserve his red shirt obviously the circumstances have changed this is not how to use <laughs> his yeah. like non-red shirt or burning his red shirt though if you're going to burn his red shirt, burn it all the way. Like, let him play. Just put, peel the Band-Aid off, let the let the kid go to work, and, you know, it, there's going to be some huge hiccups and some huge, like, drawbacks of doing that. But it at least gets him game time and gets him ready going into 2022. So that he's at least got, so, like, some game time going into next year. That's kind of where we're looking right now. there. Yes, there's still... <laughs> half of a season of football in front of us but like we're we're basically looking at 22, 22 at this point. Oh yeah. So you got to look at the, for like the long-term preservation of of this program. And if Jimmy wants a job like after this year, he's got to make some drastic changes. Like he cannot keep doing the same shit over and over and over again and expect different results.
1: Well, assuming he keeps his job which I unfortunately think he's going to. You would he think will. that he has to make drastic changes to his to his staff, starting mm. with Donovan. Right? There's that'll be no the way, very least. There's no way we can keep, and you know, this is a failed, fired Penn State coordinator, a positionless Jacksonville Jaguars. He didn't even own a group; he was an assistant, right? Yeah. And so it just speaks to the hire whether a we didn't have any other good candidates. Like highly I doubt that or two it just shows the ineptitude of Jimmy Lake and wanting to feel like the smartest person in the room which we've talked about multiple times right and so we need someone as you know a bunch of people have said that has coached an offense before and done it successfully at some level so you would think that's going to happen because we cannot run the ball up the middle all the play all the plays every play when we have our best offensive players yes Sam uh Roma Dunze, Jalen McMillan, uh Terrell Bynum, who had a really good game, and Cade Otten that are just blocking for runs up the middle. We cannot do that. These players are way too good. Um, and then you had Dylan Morris like under throwing them all the time that he made a couple of good throws in the second half, but we gotta get the ball to them, man. I mean, it's the same thing with the Seahawks right now, but we have to get the ball in the hands of our best playmakers. It's it seems obvious.
2: Yeah, it seems obvious. And then even like peeling that onion back an extra layer, even if you are going to run the ball up the middle all day and all night, would you do that with your 165 pound running back or your (laughs) 230 pound running back? Hmm. Like
1: one number is bigger
2: what happened to the whole like spell halfback option in Madden when you run your halfback dive on, you know, third and one, like, Oh shit, I need to put my big yeah, in back yeah. my <laughs> spell, spell, spell that just doesn't happen. Like the personnel decisions from this coaching staff are baffling that people at uh, the D one level, let alone, you know, a historically top 25 D one program continue to make personnel blunders like that it makes no sense at all it's infuriating dude and it's just like it's at the point where i can't expect anything different going forward yeah they've done the same
0: shit for seven weeks now (laughs) why why would we expect anything different um and it all starts with jimmy like he just eats he has hired awfully. And that's like, that's where it all starts is like he has hit the, the coaching staff that he has put together is God awful, God awful. Mm-hmm. So, but he needs to be willing to admit his own mistakes. Like it, like that's, that's where this all, that's the only way that this can actually turn a corner and Jimmy can actually keep his job for beyond 2022 is basically what we're talking right now. Like, I think he's, I I think it's, it's very, very unlikely that Jimmy gets fired after this year because he's going to be given the opportunity to change his coaching staff and make second hires basically on every position on, on his coaching staff, but he's going to be hanging on by a thread next year. And if shit goes poorly in 2022 as well, I mean, his, his ass is grass at that point. Like there's no way that he's, he's, he's getting canned, um, You know, I mean, if, if, if it were, do you think if we had Scott Woodward, he would have been already canned at this point? No. You know, do
2: you think it's,
0: do you think it's, do you think it's coming from even higher up than the AD? Like, do you think, do you think like, it's just like a UW booster money thing that they wouldn't be able to move on from Jimmy Lake at this point, buy him out of his contract at this point? Or do you think that, um, do you think that like it is really a difference between Jen Cohen and someone else?
2: I don't think it's a money issue. I think UW's boosters pockets are deep enough to make whatever change they need to. I think it's more of like a university perception thing. And it kind of goes back sure. to like the University of Washington kind of has this academic elitist public Ivy League mentality. And I think that there's an element of, you know, these are our coaches for the season. We're not quitters. We're not going to make any drastic changes during the season. Like we're going to ride and die with them and we'll make changes when the season's over. And I also think that Jen Cohen and Jimmy Lake are really tight and I don't see her pulling the trigger on him at the end of the year, as much as I think I've seen enough. I don't, I don't see, the mistakes that I've seen from Jimmy Lake and the rest of the staff this year lead me to believe that there's no possible way for them to turn the boat around in 2022 in such a substantial way that would allow him to keep his job. And with me personally feeling that way, like I'd rather cut the bait loose now and start the rebuild while you can. Um, So I don't, but that's not going to happen. No, I'll be surprised if it would, but But Go ahead. You know, Joe, what, so I don't, go ahead, you know
1: what I don't appreciate, though, is that some members of the media, um, some prominent Pac-12 members specifically, are calling UW fans that are mad and pissed yeah. off um, the quote-unquote, I think, lunatic fringe. And um, that it's unprecedented that we'd be calling for Jimmy Lake's job, which I think is crazy. It's not unprecedented. Freaking Ed Orgeron won a national championship less than two years ago, and he's yeah. out lsu yeah. we've seen other coaches i know i did terrible research but i know other coaches have been let go in less than two years and you can say oh you know we won the net we won the pac-12 north last year blah 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 blah. but you know suck my dick dude we did not <laughs> no <laughs> you know no. and it's just like i i just don't understand that argument at all we haven't seen anything from him i i it's not unprecedented. There needs to be hard questions asked here. Our recruiting pool is in the shit as you guys know better than I do. Yeah. Um, what, like, what is the reason to keep him? We have good recruiting classes, I think in the upcoming years in this state, Oh yeah. Um, we need to salvage it. Right. And by having a new coach bringing in fresh ideas and showing that we can win and keep our players because, you know, kids don't want to go to losing schools. Then we can start to build that momentum back up with recruiting. But if we keep losing guys and then we have that perception of a ton of guys leaving in the transfer portal, which we both which we all think is gonna happen,
0: like what is the point?
2: Yeah. No, don't it's have to convince situation. me. Yeah.
0: No, it's not yeah. a good situation.
2: Yeah. I will say one of the positives that I did take away from this is you know, i I've obviously on the podcast been begging my banging my fists on the table for some indication of willingness to change a plan or change personnel change scheme and like I'll tip my cap to Bob Gregory on the defensive side of the ball we definitely made some adjustments both in terms of personnel and schematics I know we played we brought a safety into the box multiple times throughout the game it didn't really help they still ran the ball all over us but like thank god we finally weren't in obvious rundowns with two high safeties. So I like to see that. And then we saw less of Jackson Sermon, obviously Eddie Ilfosio being out gives more of an obvious reason for some of the younger talent, like Carson Bruner and Danny Haimuli. We also saw Alfonso Tupatala who's been out for yeah, the better part of the that year was good with an Achilles injury. And so those three guys, I think, show a lot of promise at the inside linebacker spot. So it was great to see them get in. Just Haimuli and Bruner in particular play it's such a more aggressive and violent style at that linebacker position. And you can just like turn on even just the highlight tapes on YouTube for like watch three plays. And if Jackson Sermon is in there and Haimuli's next to him or Bruner's next to him, just watch where they are like half a second into the play. Sermon is still standing there where he lined up like five yards off the line of scrimmage and Haimuli and Bruner are charging at the line of scrimmage, at least trying to make a play in meeting a blocker, beating the blocker to the spot. I saw happen multiple times. And then when they do get there, strike the blocker in a violent way, try to shed the block and make a tackle. If like they were out of their left, out of their gaps and stuff and that's going to happen with young players but they're showing the want to to get in there and put their face in wherever the ball's going and so i i like to see that we got our first extensive look at dom hampton playing safety and it was like holy shit where's he been all year i mean sound tackling physical way of tackling And when he was down in the box, it looks like an extra linebacker. He's huge, and he's made a couple of great tackles in the game. So, it's like, where has he been? Just really because of the one personal foul in the Michigan game. We know where he's been. You're just not going to play him, and you're going to make him slog it out through practice. Okay, well, you've been showing better in practice, so now you can be a special teams gunner. Almost kills our tight end coach doing that. And also – you know, starting to show some stuff in special teams. So now I guess after an injury to our starting safety, Alex Cook, who is healthy and back in Seattle, obviously scary, head and neck injury there, taken off on a cart. But he goes down and Dom Hampton comes in. And it's like, just again, baffles me that you can have someone like Dom Hampton on your roster come in and have the impact that he had on the game, particularly in the second half. And be like, that dude's been on the roster all season. And we haven't seen him at all. But he is a legit difference maker on the defense at that safety spot. And so I take some positives away that it's like, finally, we're seeing some of these players get their chance and make positive impacts that we all speculated they would going into the season. But at the same time, it just kind of pisses me off more. Like, what the hell? Where's the guy been all year? Why have you not played him? So I don't even know where I was going with that, but there were some positives to take away in terms of trying <laughs> to do things differently. I mean, offensively, we pretty much did the same thing. We shuffled the offensive line a little bit. Troy Fatanu came in at left tackle with Jackson Kirkland being out. And I'm a huge yep. fan of Troy. I think he's amazing. And I don't know why he isn't starting at one of the guard spots, Um, He looked like our best lineman out there for most of the game. He had a great pulling block that sprung Cam Davis free for that touchdown. So it's a little bit exciting to see some different faces make some positive impacts on the game. But it's like they're all in there because of injury reasons. And it's frustrating that it takes injuries to the coaches, you know, you know, coaches pets out there in order to get the better players on the field is just beyond frustrating to me.
1: I'm thankful for Thule without that interception. I don't think we win that game.
2: Oh, we lose for sure. I mean, they mm-hmm. were Probably in our not. territory. They were going down to score. It was a great drive. I think the interception yep. happened somewhere between like the 20 and 30. Yeah. That's, yep. that's right. Now, yeah, Great. We got interception. the pressure
0: on that play too. Because that was, I mean, he kind of forced him into a bad throw. I can't remember who was getting the pressure on the quarterback and that. I can't remember. So what you're saying, without their third string quarterback in there, we probably don't win this game.
1: 100%.
0: 100%.
1: I mean, he only threw for, what, 60-something yards? That would be another Another games we would have lost. Yeah. Giving up less than, well, the other games were 50 yards, but less than 75 yards passing. But over 200 on the ground and losing.
0: How do we give up over 200 on the ground to Arizona? It's embarrassing, dude. Like, it's embarrassing.
2: I can tell you how.
0: Mm, Please. Okay. So, enlighten me.
2: When your middle linebacker, Jackson Sermon, number 43, and your safety, Asa Turner, number 20, are making tackles seven or – sorry not making tackles Whoa. engaging in an, an attempt to make a tackle seven yards past the line of scrimmage getting trucked and they're on their ass looking up at the underside of the running backs cleats and go full coma pose and throw their hands in the air and trip the guy. That's how they run for 200 yards. I mean, Asa Turner takes a terrible angle, missed tackle, and one of their running backs goes off for like the 50-yard run. Asa Turner gets absolutely trucked at the goal line by their other running back to give up a touchdown. I mean, how many times are our players making shoestring tackles on their backside on the grass? They're just getting run the fuck over. And that's why it's like why is Dom Hampton not in there at safety for Asa Turner? Because I'll tell you one thing, Dom isn't getting trucked like that. He no. might whiff every once in a while, maybe, mm-hmm. but he, from what I saw, he looks like a great tackler, and he thumps when he does. And then Jackson Sermon just, I, I, I mean, I'm at a, Do we need to, do we need to saying, have this conversation
0: man. again? Yeah.
2: I mean he just waits for the lineman to get to him and gets blocked out of the play and then just like goes for a fucking ride on the running back's back.
0: That one Yeehaw. that one play Yeah, that one play that you texted to Justin and I against it was the UCLA game. Oh my god. Where he <laughs> literally runs the opposite direction that the <laughs> ball carrier is. When he's coming right at him. He like starts running the other way. Yeah. Just zero football instincts. Just zero football instincts. It's 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 hard to watch. It's painful. If
2: well, it's we're talking like,
0: any positives though, Sam, I, I do just I just want to highlight that ZTF getting healthy looks as advertised. <laughs> like Yeah. God, the one player, Christ. Thank God he's
2: back. I know. Yeah. He needs to be playing the whole game.
0: I'm pretty sure he should probably be playing basically 100 percent at this point.
2: I don't think he will. Because Jimmy Lake was like, oh, in the UCLA game, he played 10 snaps. He got a little bit more than double than that this week. Next week, you can double that. So, he'll probably play like 30 to to 40 snaps. snaps. I don't – yeah, 30 to 40 probably.
0: I mean, in this type of game, that's going to be most of their offensive plays, I would think. But we'll see.
2: Yeah. I mean – I have no faith that they're going to make the right personnel decisions. So, we might not play the game <laughs> at all.
1: Should we talk? Okay, about you were you were saying about Stanford.
2: Something.
1: Is there anything else on this game?
0: Anything else on the Arizona game? Uh, I mean, if if we're going to rail on Dylan Morris as much as we did, like he made the throws he needed to to lead the team to come back. Like, sure. I, I'm not. I'm not advocating for him to still be the starting quarterback, but. He did technically win that game at the end. Well, so, well,
2: I'd say to Justin's point earlier, and I'll tell you what, Justin, I didn't appreciate the little twist of the knife calling me out when you were saying that the wide receivers are the best playmakers on the team. I've been saying that, bro. I'm on team wideouts. And to your point, Connor, like, yeah, Dylan Morris threw the ball, but our wide receivers were wide open,
1: wide yeah. open.
2: I mean, by and yards, that was the whole multiple game too. yards, by the way. Yeah, it wasn't... And he's still under th- like the touchdown catch to Terrell Bynum in the corner of the end zone. Under throw Terrible throw. Unbelievable catch. I mean, yeah. Bynum went up and over and caught that ball on the DB's shoulder pad. There was a pass. Did you hear the commentary
0: on the broadcast, though? The broadcast was like great throw by Dylan Morris. I couldn't oh, no, believe it. No, I couldn't it believe it. I was
1: drunk at a bar and I was like, What? I thought I was going crazy. Yeah.
2: That I was, was like asking
1: random funny. people. I was like, was that a good throw? Yeah, I was not in a good state. But yeah, no. It was-
2: I mean, unbelievable <laughs> catch by Bynum. Bynum had a big game, obviously had a couple other explosive catches. Roma Dunze, his touchdown was just like a route running masterpiece. Oh, that was he totally, was you big. know, ran that fake fake slant skinny post and brought it out. Straight that looked like cut looked hard like Doug across Baldwin. the goal line, and he was just by himself.
1: That was not Dylan Morris's first read, by the way.
2: I know that was going to be my second point. Is Morris didn't come across and find him, which is nice. Big part of that was the offensive but he line was block he was the there. only player in
0: white on that side of the field, <laughs>
2: like, yeah. Pretty hard to miss,
0: yeah.
2: So there was one
1: play by Dylan Morris. I forget what receiver it was, but it was on the right-hand side of the field and threw it up, and it was just a so bad underthrown ball, and it was the classic pass interference call. with the was Bynum. Bynum, yeah. It was so horribly underthrown. And if there you're was... playing a competent team that has a cornerback that looks back, that's, that's picked or that's not a yeah. pass interference.
2: There is an even worse one that I think may have potentially been a miscommunication in the first half with Jalen McMillan on oh, the my right God, side. Oh, God, this is so bad. He smokes the corner off of the line of scrimmage, and Dylan Morris throws it behind him by like three yards. The safety was in the middle of the field and takes a horrible angle. If Dylan Morris has any remote imagination and creativity at the quarterback position and he sees McMillan, running by himself probably the fastest player on the field you put as much air under that a gun and let it fly and let him run under it because he was there was nobody there to stop him and instead he's like i mean it literally was hit the ground like two yards behind mcmillan's heels And that's when the announcers were like, "Oh my God, Dylan Morris God, put in Sam here. This is ridiculous. He can't do anything." I'm like, "Thank you."
0: Yeah, that's the one. That's the one competent thing that they said all night. Yeah. Um,
2: So yeah, we were here to say positive things, and that happened.
0: (laughs) Dude, Jalen McMillan (laughs) is so fed up with Dylan Morris's like. They all are. Inaccuracy too. No, but you like watch Jalen McMillan after like he misses him. He's just like. Distraught, like visibly visibly distraught. It's like hurting his draft stock.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he's at least got one more year. So no, I, I know, but like his highlight tape. Sure. I mean, that would have been sure. a
2: ama- like, yeah, would have been a great highlight reel play. I mean, just totally yeah. smokes the guy off the line of scrimmage, and it's just like womp, womp.
0: Oh, All right, are we God. on to Stanford, onto the tree. Onto the tree, onto the farm, a place that has not been too uh, too kind to the Huskies in recent memory. Huskies have not won at Stanford since two thousand seven. Oof. Been a minute and yeah, a half, it's a long time, or two, or like how many years is that? Fourteen years? Yeah, fourteen years. Um, it's been it's been a tough place for us to play. It's it's usually a very quiet building like <laughs> stanford isn't really known for their their football fans showing out um they're usually a t- pretty good football team because they're a head coach and their program and yeah you know they have academics so you know any good football player that gets an offer to stanford and cares about academics obviously is going to weigh that but um If we're talking the series here, though, Stanford does lead this series 44 to 43 to four or and four, I should say. So basically a neck and neck tie in this series in the history. Um, Stanford has probably had a little bit more success recently. And most recently, they just they were our only loss last year in 2020 um, came into Seattle under some difficult circumstances for them too because they couldn't even they had to practice it like a park like a yeah. public park right um and wasn't it kind of like last minute that they had to come up here or like they had like they had some delay in coming up here or something like that too what well, was the whole was like covid related COVID, yeah it was all yeah, the covid could...
2: protocols in northern california like oh banned that's right. gatherings of certain sites so like they couldn't put on a True. practice at home
1: Yeah, so they came up here to Bell, like the park by Bellevue
0: Square in Bell, yeah, Yeah, and there's practice there. Nonetheless, uh, even if we had scouts out there to look at their practice and steal all of their plays, it didn't work because we lost 31 to 26, further cementing the ineptitude of this coaching staff. Now we're talking about last year. Um, Stanford's won two in a row, and like I said, yeah, UW hasn't won down in Palo Alto since 2007. How are you feeling about this one, guys? And who are some players to watch on Stanford? Um, Sam, I know that you made most of these notes, so why don't you get us started? Who are some players that we should keep an eye on against Stanford? They're a, what, three and four football team? So basically on par with where we're at. Um, I would say there's probably quite a few similarities between these two teams, but... Um, yeah, who are some players that we should we should watch on Stanford Stanford's team?
2: Yeah, no, I think they're in a very similar spot as the Huskies. I, you know, you, you think about the great Stanford teams of, of the past and really run-heavy offense, really stout defense, you know, and you hear Jimmy Lake talk about it even when he was doing his offensive coordinator search. Like, he was looking for a style of offense that mimics what Stanford does because Stanford has notoriously been the team in the conference that has given his defense the most fits. And so he felt like that would be the best offense to mimic. And maybe it's just the way that college football is going, but Stanford is having just as much trouble establishing the run, actually more trouble establishing the run than we are this year. You know, they're averaging only 94 yards per game on the ground compared to our 107. So it's not the typical Stanford that we have seen in the past. And a couple of players to keep an eye on their quarterback, Tanner McKee. I'm pretty sure he was a mission kid. And so he's a bit older, but I think he's like a sophomore eligibility wise. He's actually having a pretty good year, 65% completion percentage. 14 touchdowns to only three interceptions. He has taken 16 sacks. So the key takes care of the ball. And when he is in the red zone, I mean, 14 touchdowns and three interceptions, pretty damn good ratio. I would definitely take that any day of the week. And when they are in the red zone, they're going to be targeting their big wide receiver, Bryce and Tremaine. He is probably like third or fourth on the team in terms of receptions, but I think he's got like 20 or 23 receptions and five of them have gone for touchdowns. So that's someone to keep an eye out, obviously a comfort blanket in the red zone. And then they have two running backs that seem to have been at Stanford forever. Uh, Nathaniel Pete is averaging 5.6 yards per carry. And then Austin Jones, who has tore us up in the past, isn't having a great year so far, but a talented player, nonetheless, then defensively, they've really struggled as well. I mean, they have had trouble stopping the run. They're giving up over 200 yards per game to opponents, whereas the Huskies are given up 193. So you kind of get where I'm going with the similarities. Like both teams identify as teams that run the ball well and stop the run, and neither of them are doing that this year. On defense, their one standout is their corner, Caillou Blue Kelly. He's got seven passes defended, two interceptions, and he took one of them to the house for a touchdown. So we'll have to, you know, be cognizant of that. I'm sure Morris will probably throw a pick to him at some point in the game. And then <laughs> other than that, the only people that really stand out are their two linebackers, Lavani Demuni and Ricky Mizen. Mizan, I don't know how to pronounce either of their names. But they're their leading tacklers, fifty and forty-four tackles apiece. They each have two sacks. So all in all, it's not really an impressive roster. I mean, Tanner McKee has good stats, but really, I think they're in a bit of an identity crisis as a team as well. I mean, really struggling to run the ball. Really struggling to you know stop the run. So it'll be interesting to see how this matchup plays out. I mean, we've we've had a tendency of you know, making teams that don't run the ball well look like they can run the wall, ball pretty well. So that might just end up playing out. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the players that I'll be keeping an eye out for on the Stanford side.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you laid it out pretty well, so I don't have much to add. I think I'll just, like you said, I'll be watching the rushing attack. Right. I think a, you they don't run the ball just like UW but they have run the ball against USC Vanderbilt's not a good team but they ran the ball against I mean we're not a good team but they ran the ball against Vanderbilt uh to success but lately when they played Wazoo a couple weeks ago and the game before that against Arizona State um Wazoo they did not run the ball well they had many rushing attempts Arizona State due to game flow I think Tanner McKee got a lot of passes to try yeah. to get them back into the game. And so, you know, how do they establish this run? I mean, the Huskies have given up seemingly 200 yards. It almost seems that way every week, whether it was Charbonnet and the DTR or BJ Baylor out of Oregon state, or, you know, whoever we're playing, uh, the Arizona running backs, we just give up 200. And so yeah. how do we stop and slow down that rushing attack to make our corners, the best players on our defense, uh, help us win this game. So that, that's, that's the major key for me.
0: Yeah, if I'm building off of that, it doesn't seem like their offensive line is as good as it has been in the past. And I'm going to note two stats that you had, not only the lack of success that they're having on the ground that you were stating, Sam, but also those 16 sacks. It doesn't seem like that they are up to par for, with what we expect a Stanford offensive right. line to have. So I want to take advantage of that on defense, and in, bo- in both, per, like both sides of that, as far as getting pass rush, and getting pressure on Tanner McKee, and then also making sure that we're getting off of our blocks and making tackles in the run game and limiting that. Um, so what Justin was saying, basically. Um, so that's 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 what I'm looking at. I'm looking at their offensive line, and I want to see how we respond to possibly a weakness on their def- on their, on their offense and see if we can take advantage of that um, defensively. Uh, if we're switching over to dogs or did you have any other Stanford players to highlight?
2: No, not really. I guess the only person that stands out just as a unique thing to call out. Cause I think it's pretty cool in today's day and age is Tucker Fisk, who also seems like he's been on the Stanford team forever is listed on the depth chart at like four different positions both on the offense and defensive side of the ball pretty sure he's listed as in the he's in the two deeps for like fullback tight end a defensive tackle position and like outside linebacker position and so he'll be out there I know in the past he's had some like super long curly hair be hard to miss but it's cool one of those old school two way football players that probably would have had better success back in the fifties. But, uh, nonetheless, I think it's <laughs> hey, always Jack cool.
0: Thompson was really good.
2: Yeah, that's true. But that was kind of like an injury reason. This guy's just like, does sure. it all. Um, yep. and so in goal line situations, I know that he's hurt us in the past and some fullback dives or some play action fullback to the flat routes before. So just another name, I guess, to keep an eye on hasn't really done much this year, but, Cool story, nonetheless.
0: Seems similar to that Oregon State kid. That's like is is a local kid. Yeah, right? Jack Coletto. Yeah, well, he's so similar, quote to that. unquote,
2: local. I think he's from Camas.
0: Okay, well, yeah. yeah, I guess he's closer to Oregon State probably than than UW. But yeah.
2: all
0: right, if we turn our attention to the dogs, who starts at quarterback, guys? <laughs>
2: Fuck I don't want to answer.
1: I don't want to <laughs> answer. I mean, I know who's going to start. It's going to be Dylan Morris. He's going to yeah. come out. He's going to get the start. Sam Heward will get one or two series. That'll be the play all along.
0: Burn another game.
2: Hand the ball off, Sam.
0: It's going to be Camden Sermon starting at quarterback.
2: At this point, I love it, dude. Camden Sermon is actually, I think, a pretty legit quarterback.
0: I mean, he... He showed out a bit in the spring game. It was kind of fun to watch him. So I mean, he
2: can move too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He is mobile. For sure, more mobile than Dylan Morris. So, yeah. Man. Yeah. I think it's going to be Dylan Morris. Um,
2: and I think it's going to be have... Morris the whole way. You don't you think, don't think Heward Sam, Sam Heward will get,
0: will drive? get a drive or
2: no? Not mm-hmm. unless his other nostril gets ripped off and Got it. Heward has to go in. I don't know what to expect like if he hasn't put Hewitt in for meaningful snaps by now like why should I think that that's going to happen because
0: Jimmy's indecisive as shit and is freaking out (laughs) I don't think anything that any decision that he's made has really been a good decision so
2: yeah. So, I guess that's something to watch know. out for. Not necessarily like a key player, like this person's got to play. No, skirt. just, but it's just be interesting to see what this, you know, dual quarterback action is going to look like.
0: Yeah. And you're probably right. It's probably mostly going to be Morris, if not Morris the whole way. You know, they're going to frame it as he ended the game so well against Arizona. We're going to build off that and go into Stanford. Right. Yeah. So, he, he really confidence. earned his he earned his his spot as that starting quarterback by winning that game down in Tucson. First road win of the Jimmy Lake era. Christ. (laughs) Should we move from off from the quarterback position? Yeah. The
2: other, the other position I'm looking at is running back. And I think two pieces here, obviously we noted Richard Newton, who's been absent largely for the last four to five games his out with an ACL injury. So we're still gonna see a healthy dose of hey, diddle diddle, little McGrew up the middle. And we're gonna see some Kamari Pleasant. But Cam Davis, it seems like he's starting to work his way out of the doghouse. He looked like he created a little bit of a spark, not only from a personnel perspective, but it seems like they had very specifically designed plays for his skill set. And when mm-hmm. he was in there, they were running a lot of pulling power sweeps to the wide side of the field and give him space to use his speed and elusiveness. So yeah. I love to see that. Hopefully, we get to see more of that, and he can hold on to the ball and not get punished for another eternity in the doghouse for fumbling one time. Um, so I'm I'm keeping an eye out on that running back rotation. McGrew, you know, started the season hot, but as we mentioned, he I mean, whether it's McGrew versus, you know, him just not being put in a position to succeed running the ball up the middle all game. But I mean, 18 carries for 38 yards. That ain't good. That's really ain't good. So I'll be excited to see what Cam Davis can bring.
0: For sure. For sure. Do you have anyone else on the offensive side of the ball that you're looking at, Justin? Justin.
1: Not really. I mean, for me, it's, you know, transitioning to the defensive, if I can. Um, sure. Yeah, go for it. You no, know, I want to see ZTF. We talked about this earlier and how many snaps is he going to get? Mm-hmm. It needs to be significant. You know, this Stanford quarterback is the strength of this team. This is not your or the st- strength of the offense. This is not your old grandma Stanford with Christian McCaffrey or. Um, I love. Love. You're right. Yeah, this is this is a different Stanford offense that we're accustomed to. And so we need to get pressure on the quarterback to make sure he doesn't have time. And, you know, our corners can cover that we the way that we know they can. So I'm watching for him. Hopefully he can get, you know, double the snaps that he got to make a meaningful impact in this game. And then I'm watching the linebacker situation. If Jackson Sermon steps on the field, then, you know, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out
0: going to, well, the
2: that's for party. sure going to happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to the well, Halloween you're
0: gonna be out. party. You're going to be out like, play one
1: (laughs) but are we going to see some of these younger players that sam's talked about before um, getting more meaningful snaps and taking the snaps from jackson sermon or from other guys to you know really hone in on stopping this run so we're you know we're making contact at the line of scrimmage or a couple yards after not getting trucked seven yards behind this line of scrimmage because we're too slow and then we're too weak to make the tackle. And so I'm looking at that linebacker group to really help out the run defense.
2: Yeah. I mean, any, at this point, any combination of Carson Bruner, Danny Hamuli, Alfonso Tupatala, like,
1: I don't even I don't know care. Where... Sign someone off the, uh, someone from a random frat. I don't care. Yeah. Get somebody,
2: somebody else. I mean, I don't even know what happened to MJ Tafisi. Like, he just kind of disappeared. I haven't seen him get any meaningful snaps the last game, game and a half or so. So, I don't know. And He's on the depth chart still. Yeah. yeah. Well, that doesn't mean anything. We already talked about how you can wipe your ass with that. (laughs) Uh, And then, I guess, keeping on the defensive side of the ball, I've been pumping this guy up all podcast this episode already. Dom Hampton. Like, I don't imagine Alex Cook is going to make it back for the game. That was a pretty scary injury. I'm sure he's in concussion protocol. So Dom Hampton's likely going to be your starting safety, unless I guess Cam Williams could potentially be coming back. Um, But either way, like I want to – Asa can't be in there unless he needs to be. So if Cook and Williams are hurt, you're going to see safeties Turner and Hampton. Hopefully – I would love to see Turner out of there and – have Maybe Julius Urban in there or something. Yeah, Julius like Urban said. and Hampton, even Cam Fab put in Fabiculon in. But anyways, I thought Dom Hampton showed out really well. I mean, he made a couple of very physical yeah. tackles, you know, within five yards of the line of scrimmage. I didn't see him miss any tackles, which is something that the safeties have really struggled with on our team. So I'm looking for him to have a really significant impact and help solidifying against the run game and solidify the middle of our defense, as Justin had mentioned with, you know, pairing up with those inside linebackers to make a physical presence known.
0: Yeah. And if we're staying with the inside of the defense, the one area that we haven't talked about is the defensive tackles and Sam Taimani obviously was out in the Arizona game. Uh, He's week to week. So if he's out again, I'm looking at Thule. Obviously he had a pretty solid game against Arizona and Tua it was pretty quiet in that game, though, and I'd like to see him yeah. maybe build off of the season that he's had, which has been pretty good for the most part. So I'd like to see those two um, become a you know formidable force, especially against the run, be physical with this offensive line that seems like they're really not that great, um, and take advantage of that. So that, those are the two guys that I'm kind of circling on defense. I think it just all starts up front against Stanford. It always does we tend to lose that battle, at least in most recent years. And that's been kind of our, our calling card as far as where, where the game trends and, and us losing. Um, but if we're able to control the line of scrimmage a little bit better than we have, and um, if if Tuatele and Thule and if Taimani's healthy, if all those guys can win their battles up front, I think that goes a long way towards defeating the tree on Saturday.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a good segue into the next segment here in terms of keys to the game. And I know Justin's going to love this one coming out of my mouth, but my number one key to the game is this Husky offense needs to find success through the air early. Whether it's Morris or Heward, to Justin's point at the beginning of the podcast, our best players are our wide receivers. Like it is so apparent offensively that our best players are Bynum, Odunze, McMillan, and Otten and we need to get them the ball. And I'm not saying like get it to them in bubble screens or whatever. They've shown the ability to get separation down the field. And if Morris is going to throw ducks up and we get pass interference penalties all the way down the field, I'll take it. But the thing is, is like these teams are going to continue to stack the box. If we just run McGrew up the middle all day and we saw Dylan Morris, whether it's Morris or John Donovan in his ear, like, Hey, look for the deep ball on this play, whatever it is, there's an obvious, you know, intentional focus on stretching the field with our wide receivers in the passing game in the second half. And that's what really won us the game and opened everything up. And we need to continue that game plan going into this week weekend's game against Stanford. I want to see us take deep shots early And have Morris put the ball in a place where the receiver can make a play, whether that's leading them and scoring a long touchdown, whether it's a jump ball and we get a PI or whatever it is, like just show a threat and show it in a a very intentional plan to get the ball to your best players. I think you all
1: agree with that, yeah? I (laughs) I don't know if I have anything to add, honestly. I mean, yes.
2: <laughs> Justin's like you're but speaking my the, language, bro. Here's
1: the here's the thing though. Like we come on this podcast and we say all the same things, the same shit. New day, you know, every week. And what's gonna happen? We're gonna go to stand. I I have nothing to add. I have nothing to add. Connor, go for it.
0: <laughs> Justin's already pissed off. We haven't even gotten into the predictions. All right. Yeah. Well, it was just what we were just talking about. If we're going to the second key of the game, it's that middle of the defense. Can they hold up against a not as great Stanford rushing attack as, as we've seen in recent years, you got to take advantage of this. Like this is your opportunity to kind of like, it's not really like a get right game, but it's a get right. Like in this specific instance of a game, like in this, in this specific portion of a game, can you get your run defense right against a, an, an opponent that has struggled to run the ball? Just do it. Just get yeah. off a fucking block and make a tackle, please. And if we have those physical guys in that we all talked about, if Dom Hampton's in there, I feel pretty damn good. And if Carson Bruner's in there, I feel pretty damn good. If Haile Muley's in there, I feel pretty damn good. We see a lot of Jackson Sermon and Nasa Turner not feeling so good anymore. No. Not great, Bob. So uh, what? obviously, what does like, the personnel look like? But overall, like, can can whoever is in there can they take advantage of this weakness on this Stanford football team?
2: Yeah, That's the and, key to the game. yeah. And if they if Stanford runs for two hundred plus yards against us, I don't want to hear anybody even allude to the fact. Oh yeah, it's Stanford bullshit. This year, Stanford has not been good at running the ball. If they run the ball at will against us, like pretty much every other opponent has. To me, it's like the biggest damnation on this interior defensive line inside linebackers and safeties that we've seen all year. I mean, they're yeah. good players on the Stanford side, but they, I mean, they're averaging, so, they're averaging less than like three and a half yards per carry.
0: Yeah, they're three and a half yards per More
2: carry.
1: More so than 0-7 Arizona. Uh,
2: yeah, what maybe, was Arizona
0: averaging know. going in?
2: I have no idea.
0: On their I third string up. quarterback.
2: Yeah, you make a good point. I guess I uh, just like we've already know, seen be the it. cherry on top. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. It's it's probably different. gonna happen and we're gonna be pissed next week. What's what's key to the game number three, Justin?
1: Key to the game number three, win the turnover battle. Um, yeah, I don't know how we're gonna do
0: that, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, Stanford has <laughs> been pretty bad. They,
2: Jesus, I mean, dude. It's not so much in the volume, but Stanford is negative two in the turnover margin, just like we are. So, got to, we got to win that battle.
1: Yeah. I mean, cause some fumbles. I mean, if they, God forbid, if we're somehow stopping the run and they're throwing the ball, you know, that's where I have more confidence. Kyler Gordon, yeah. Trent McDuffie, Bookie right like somehow they can make a play right so that's what we need to see go off, back to key number 2 right if we're stopping the run then our cornerbacks can cut kind of, you know make plays i have doubts that we're going to stop the run but if we do then that's where i think we can win the turnover battle for sure yeah
2: and i think the other element to that as well is going back to i think it was your comments earlier justin about the arizona state stanford game where arizona state gets out to an early lead And just with like the game situation forces Tanner McKee and the Stanford offense to throw like 50 Mm -hmm. times in the game, whether or not we're stopping the run, if the offense does their job in key to the game, number one through the air, putting points on the board early and force the team force Stanford to play catch up and pass the ball. Like I know Tanner McKee has only had three picks, but if he throws the ball 40 times against the Huskies, there's going to be at least one or two picks out there. I guarantee How many, it.
1: Oh yeah. How many games under the Jimmy Lake era has the offense gotten off to a good start?
2: Just the Arizona, Arizona game last year. last year.
0: Yeah. And I guess Arkansas
2: State this year, but that doesn't.
0: Sure, that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, Arizona barely counts last year. This is yeah. what pissed me off so much, and I think we've talked about it on this podcast, though. Like This is what pissed me off so much about Jimmy, though, Is that he preaches like getting out to a big league, big lead, so that the defense can like try to get some turnovers and they force the opposition to pass. But he's not aggressive on offense to start the game. Like, yeah, it doesn't make sense, man. Like, you reap what you sow. Like, dude, come on.
2: Yeah. So we've got so players to watch on Stanford, players to watch on UW. We've gone through the keys of the game. We have flirted around with it. Like, what do we think is actually going to happen?
0: Real quick, I just, just because I, I did actually look this up and I feel like I should share this. Arizona is a better rushing team than Stanford. Okay. They're averaging 3.7 yards per attempt. Oh, oh.
2: 0.2 yards more. Big time. And
0: 100, 100 almost 130 yards per game. So. Not terrible. Better than the Huskies, for sure. Oh, I mean, yeah. Shocker. So who wants
2: to go
1: first with the prediction?
2: Connor, you go first. Oh,
0: fine. Um, Basically, all the things that we said in the keys to the game for us to win, I feel like none of that's
2: going to happen. <laughs> Great start. I wonder who you have winning.
0: I have Tree twenty seven thirteen.
1: Sam, do you wanna do you wanna go do you want me to go?
2: You go first. All right. Then I'll talk some sense into you.
1: Okay. Well, you're gonna have to undo some sense that I'm about to preach right now. UW is one in 17, or sorry, UW's opponents that have won. So Cal, Arkansas State, and now Arizona are a combined oh. one in 17 against FBS opponents. Oh. That one win coming in from Cal last week.
2: We're going into
1: a Stanford team that we have not won that many games over the last seven years, whether it's Chris Peterson or um, Jimmy Lake. I'm like starting to erase his his name from my brain. <laughs> oh,
2: he's, <laughs> he's reaching he who shall not he's be named status. Yeah, dead it's you.
1: close. Uh, you know, you think of major, major matchups on the field and how you're picking games. Who's the home team in Stanford in this game? Who's the better coach? David Shaw. Who's the better quarterback? Tanner McKee. Right. And you look at all of these elements in this game and who UW has beat, and they're so terrible teams. Like, how in the world do we go in and win when we're just so terribly coached and managed and with a quarterback? And with all that said, there's just there's just no possible way we're gonna win this game. So 24-17 Stanford, and I think that's generous.
2: Yeah, pretty much everybody on this podcast listening, uh, you should probably listen to Justin and, and just Ignore what I'm about to say, because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Sam Hewitt's coming out as your starting quarterback, just like I <laughs> predicted in the UCLA game. We're going to find success Ugh. through the air early. God damn it. Dom Hampton, Carson Bruner, Danny Hamouli, the next generation of death row dogs are going to stymie the Stanford tree running attack. We're going to get a couple interceptions, win that turnover battle but it's still going to be a damn close game. And we're going to squeak away on the left foot of one by the name of Peyton Henry. Last second field goal Huskies win 20 to 17. I want That's how it's going to go.
0: I want some of whatever you're drinking right now. If that puts also me the, the way that the way that you were describing that sounded like we were about to kick Stanford's ass. And then you're like, we're going to squeak it out. twenty
2: seventeen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you ta- Would you be pumped and feel like we did a good thing if we won twenty? Dude, if we win this
0: game, I'll be I'll be psyched. Yeah, yeah, that's how which I is, feel. Which is kind of crazy because this Stanford team's not that good, but we're bad, so <laughs> it's First all relevant. Win
2: in the Heward era. I hope, hey, man. Wrong. If we win I and, and Heward starts, don't you starts? like how I'm doing this dynamic? Where like I'm too much of a dog fan that I can't predict them to lose yeah. ever. And so I like put this ridiculous caveat that like our five-star generational quarterback is actually going to (laughs) play. And so when that doesn't happen, my prediction is void. You can't hold me to it.
1: Another indictment, not Mm. to, you know, end on a negative, but here we are. Another indictment is I think it's max preps or two, four, seven. They rank like everyone's, I think it's two, four, seven. They rank everyone's talent and what like what their talent ranks based on the recruiting and everything. And I know that's Mm -hmm. not always right, but generally it's right. And UW is in in the high teens. And so the fact where we're in the position where we are now, where we're a lot of consensus pickers have us as about the 10th, ninth or 10th best team in the pac 12 with all the talent that we have is an abomination. It really is.
2: And we'll leave it there. (laughs) Have no rebuttal. Are we going to leave it right
0: there? I just wanted to let our listeners know when the game was, if they wanted to tune in. But <laughs> we can leave it there. <laughs> When's the game, Connor? It's at seven thirty on Saturday. So some Pac twelve after dark action. It's on FS one. So no, no East coasters will be subject to this horrific game. Uh no, my father in law Grant will definitely stay up. Uh, the a couple game. people, and I'm I'm sure he will text me at like midnight or so. So why aren't they putting in Sam Heward? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Grant. I'm predicting that. That's my prediction. That's my I don't care about my score prediction. That's what I'm predicting. I'm predicting Grant to text me at midnight. Why is Sam Hewer not in this game? Okay. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Pretty much where we're at in the season. It's like gotta make a change at quarterback. We all know that
0: you gotta make it. You gotta make like multiple changes in this program, but yes, that's that, that would be the easiest and most straightforward thing to do at this point. All right, guys. Well, let's hope for a win on Saturday. Um, I don't think we see it coming, but, Sam's optimistic. So thanks for listening, folks. As always, we appreciate the support. Subscribe and follow if you haven't already, and leave us a message via the anchor link in our description. Until next time, go dogs.